good morning happy day it's time for no class and we got a new your happy on the day. way hey <laughs> we got a new year on the way y'all happy happy end of 2021 and welcome back to no class podcast the podcast formerly known as the place where we have unsafe conversations in a safe space. Now we are known as the podcast that has unfiltered conversations about everything you didn't learn in school. Guess what, Anthony J? What's that? 2021 is almost over. 2021. Wow. How you feeling? Fast and slow. That went fast and slow and... I don't know no more. I mean, there used to be the uh, let's get ready for next year and new and fresh start and stuff. And sometimes it just feels like it's all the same when you're in a pandemic. So I don't don't know. (laughs) It's just going on and on and on. Just because you could tell me this is still 2020 and I'd still believe you. So I don't know. One continuous Groundhog's Day loop. And my birthday happens to be on Groundhog's Day. So I know some about that a little bit too much. Um, for me, I don't even know how to feel, honestly. Everything seems like it's moving super fast for me. But I'm really excited to see what 2022 has to offer me. Um, I'm just open. And, you know, I've done a lot of growing in these last two years. Yes, it seems a little different because of the ongoing pandemic. but um, like we were talking about when the pandemic first started, it's new normal. So now it's just pandemic normal. You know, it's just a new language added to the canon, to the lexicon, if you will. I, I'm I'm learning how to use lexicon in a sentence and I feel real grown about it. <laughs> I'm the vocabulary word of the week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Feels real good. <laughs> oh, gosh. But I, I am, I'm truly excited. Um, I want to end 2021 on a great note, if I can, a very safe note. And I, you know, just hope that whatever we are going through or getting through in 2021, that it no longer carries on to 2022. If you can leave whatever you can in 2021, I hope that you could do that. But if it continues to move in your 2022 for the good and for the bad I hope that I wish you you know continued success and I wish you well and all the positive things that go with that um yeah that's that's just my little beginning classmates but we got a good little episode planned where we're gonna talk about some things that um are well we're just gonna end the daggone 2021 episode with a good little mark so um Anthony J take it away so, yeah, as we're ending out 2021, it seems like there, well, not seems, it's definitely a lot. I remember, you know, back when I saw, oh, back in the day when we were just getting, you know, some social media and things, you would have a trend and it may last for like the entire year. Or you may only have like a couple of them. I remember like even back to the days where it was multiple platforms, it was like the ASL challenge with the water bucket and stuff. That seemed like that lasted a long time. But now... We're in 2021. There's the TikToks, Facebook, um, Instagram, Snapchat, all that. So these trends seem to go and hit their peak and then die really quickly. So I wanted to ask you, what are your favorite viral trends? Or it could be gifts, memes, Black Twitter things in Hmm. 2021. What were some of your favorites for the year? Top three, because I got a top three. Um, since we're getting to the end of 2021 I told y'all some stuff I just don't want to carry with me to 2022 and I hope y'all feel the same way but top like top three would be uh, the crate challenge because it got on my nerves you know it got on my nerves nerves. that's why I made the top three that's right because it got on my nerves why would y'all do something stupid like that okay I hope y'all enjoyed that. Leave that shit in 2021. Thank you very much. Um, and um, the now, when we talk about this pandemic, we have a whole new variant. Like we 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 were introduced to Delta variant, um, and now we're introduced to the quote unquote Omarion variant. What? Better, like, well, majorly known as the Omicron variant, but. Um, 
one of the challenges that really like stood out to me was the Omarion challenge. Ha ha ha. So now the Omarion challenge and the Royal Omarion variant are just both stupid. Um, <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy looking at the stupidity. Well, not of the Omari, Omarion variant because, you know, it's people getting like really, really sick from that. But um, yeah, the Omarion challenge was super funny to me. Um, Can I say really quick too? Because we've done this sometimes at the end of the year. We've been like, who had the best and worst year? And we're not doing that. <laughs> but Omarion had a good freaking year. Remember the beginning of the year, he decided to branch off on B2K and do the screen tour on his own. Oh, yeah. Had- Remember when he invited Bow Wow? Yes, he had the viral challenge that went (laughs) off. Everybody's name was in his mouth. He was trending. Mm -hmm. And now he's got this. He really had like each third, like he had one third and like a month and he just took it and just ran it. I hope 2021, I hope he feels like 2021 was his year. Because I remember last year when like there was a real division amongst B2K because of his ex baby, well, his ex and the mother of his children i can't remember if they were married or not but goes to show you how much i pay attention to that relationship but yeah she she was um in between members of the group and it kind of like divided the group a little bit so um yeah i hope he can say that he was having a good year because that omarion challenge every time somebody did it it took me down i promise you like this just the funniest thing in the world to see because um i'm like why would you do that look you know, like he's a great dancer, but what was that about? I don't know. Anyway, the third thing, and this, you know what? I'm saying one, two, three, but like these literally are in no particular order. They're just my top three that I'm just happening to think about. But just the um now I want to say the petition to stop Will and Jada from speaking on their relationship is super funny to me, also. <laughs> um, yes, Will and Jada, Will and Jada Pinkett Smith have been a huge topic of conversation for the next the last two years like we I guess we really didn't have much to pay attention to outside of like the coronavirus and the COVID variants going on and you know just being stuck in the house and people being sick and you know terminally ill things like that but you know we decided that we could focus on um, entanglements there are movies and there are songs about it but this year Will Smith like he was winning but he took some L's too because um he came out with a book um and now his mouth is in every well his name is in everybody's mouth um he definitely like joined social media and kind of rose to success that way like when everything first started with the pandemic and in 2020 but I think he's taken his success and kind of like um monetized it much more with his book and everything and then like everything being revealed about their um, open marriage, him and his wife, um, Jada, um, they finally admitted somewhat that they were in like open relationships in their marriage and stuff like that. And I just think it's super funny that there's a petition going around to stop them from talking about their relationship, especially on the Red Table Talk. So um, those are my top three. What about yours? That is so funny. My first one is there's the challenge where um, you're standing by the pool and they play the song and you gotta finish the lyrics. And if you don't finish the lyrics, they like drop you, they push you into the pool. So like, have you seen it? it that's that's given kind of Princess and Ray J low key. What's, what's going on about that? <laughs> yeah, so they're like lean back and you got two people holding your like wrist pretty much. Great fall in the pool. And you get the they just like let you drop into the, the pool. The trust fall, I don't want if I don't know how to swim. I mean, I, I do know how to swim, but I'm just saying. <laughs> what if you don't? <laughs> that was a good one. To okay. I like the trend where um, the phone kept ringing and ringing and then somebody would not be paying attention to it. It'd be like, that's just because I just called out my nosy ass aunt in the group chat and now my phone <laughs> I enjoy those each time whatever the story was it had me laughing um I like the trend with the siblings where they'd all be standing there they'd be like I ain't never seen all straight siblings somebody gotta be gay I enjoyed the mystery the whole five seconds I'm like it's gonna be this one oh I'm wrong again <laughs> that was a great one um oh and my favorite of the year is the silhouette challenge oh wow I Doja, love that challenge Doja Cat so Streets okay doja cat streets yes i was like oh i could sit here and just watch this like tv that was 
an entertaining ass challenge. Yeah, some of them turned out to be super raunchy, but some yes. of them were like very funny too. Uh, as you can see, my theme has been comedy because it takes a lot to get through the things that we are all going through. We are all collectively like in a in a I don't even know a tailspin, if you will say. I don't know a panoramic. Yeah. A panoramic, a panera bread, or whatever. I don't know what people call it. I don't even know. But yeah, those sound good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So good job. Thank you, 2021, for giving us some, some good laughs, some good trends, good conversation. Thank yeah. you. Thank you tried it a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wonder what happened to all them damn crates. That's all. Somebody- oh, please, honey. They went back to the damn grocery store. Actually, they're probably on that, um, what is it, the shipping container that's stuck in the middle of wherever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That should have also been a trend. Like, why the fuck is there a shipping container and there's like a block, you know, like port? Why was I have no idea? Anyway. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, so it is report card time. It's report card time. Oh, it's the last, the, the last, last report card of 2021. Yeah. The last <laughs> of 2021. We're gonna make it very good for you all again. We said last episode, but thank you for your patience. Because we have skipped a couple of report cards and have been giving you main topics. Um, but we are back with this episode with some report cards that we thought were important before mm-hmm. we ended up 21. So um, do you want me to start, Chantel? You want to start? Which one? I can start because okay. the story that I would like to start with, it is very recent to um, the time that we're recording. Um but it's extremely sad. I kind of want to start off with like the heavy stuff so we can move to the lighter stuff towards the end of the episode, if that's okay. So um, if you have been living under a rock or you're unaware, um, there was a concert held uh, at the beginning of November. Actually, it was a festival uh, called Astro World, which was hosted by Travis Scott and Drake in Houston, in Houston, Texas, which is where Travis Scott is from. Um, For those of you who are unfamiliar with the story, there was a tragedy that happened in the crowd. Um, Basically, the crowd, the crowd basically stampeded each other, and there were hundreds of injuries, but there were, at the moment of us recording, there are 10 reported deaths um, that happened due to this, and um, there has been just so much backlash, a lot of questions, things surrounding, a lot of blame, a lot of like, you know, who to make responsible for this is- for this issue. And um, a lot of it has been resting on Travis Scott. And I wanted to get into a discussion about it because I don't know, you know, how these things work, but I feel like there's more to it than just Travis Scott, who is, you know, the face of Astroworld. Um, But just in describing what went on, um, there were rumors when everything first happened that maybe somebody was injecting some of the concert girl was with drugs, which is what made them all like bum rush and like, you know, get rowdy with each other. There were talks that Travis Scott was like amping the crowd on and like saying like beat like basically to target someone in particular and kind of like beat him up or something like that so it's just been a lot of speculation going on well a lot of a lot of stories going on not even speculation because um some of this stuff is true but at the time of us recording this show we have um nine you know 10 deaths and of the youngest of the deaths, there was a young boy. His name was Ezra, Ezra Blount, and he was nine year old, nine years old, and he passed away um, from being like. Well, the story of that is him and his dad were going to the concert, and he, he was on top of his. He was like on his father's shoulders or neck or something like that, and his father passed out, and this boy was trampled and basically he passed from his injuries that he was sustained. He sustained while he was trampled. Um, it's just been a lot going on. Uh, so I want to get your, your take on it, but just, I want to say that Travis Scott came out with a statement that a lot of people thought was half ass. Kylie Jenner came, who is Travis Scott's, um, girlfriend and the mother of his children came out with a statement regarding the, um, incident and Drake came out with a statement. A lot of 
a lot of um, celebrities also came out with statements um, supporting the people who were victims of this tragedy. And even Meg Thee Stallion, she was supposed to have a concert go on in Houston and canceled her concert to honor Houston and to honor the victims of this astral world tragedy, stating that um, she wanted to give Houston, the city of Houston, more time to heal from what happened. Um, so Anthony J, what do you think about everything, like even everything that I said or some some things that I've missed that you might have heard from this story? I want to understand, like, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those stories that I think, like, time will tell there's not going to be a... I don't know, a happy ending or, or resolve. It's like, I've, I've heard some people be like, I'm checked out. Cause it's like, it's not gonna end happily. We already know that it's tragedy. And like, I don't think pointing the blame at somebody is gonna fix it. Or, or I don't know, or give people the closure that they want. And so um, there's the, the one side of it where people want to blame the, um, Drake was even like listed as one of the people being sued cause he was one of the performers, Travis Scott, of course um and so there's the part of like who is responsible is it the artist is it I think it was Live Nation is it the venue like who's responsible for that and there are plenty of stories that like the fire marshal was saying that there were way too many people there right so like whose responsibility is it that there was like way too many people um there is the I mean Travis Scott's concerts do have the reputation of people being really live really hype really rambunctious or whatever um, that is part of the story. Um, of course, well, I don't want to say of course, some people have seen the videos of concert goers trying to communicate with staff that were videoing stuff like this person passed out, this person died, and they're not doing anything about it. So there's lots of layers to it. Um, and so I'm just kind of like, it's, it's like a wait and see. I don't think that all of the blame goes on to Travis Scott, but of course it's gonna go on Travis Scott because he's the artist that people know. People don't know the people at Live Nation to call them out, you know what I mean? Or So like a, a lot of that is going to rest on him. Um, I I think he's gonna lose a lot of money, you know what I mean? I, I But I don't think that any of it was malicious, you know what I mean? I don't think that, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I do feel, you know, bad for the families. And um, it, it's a sticky situation too, because he's trying to reach out and lend support and trying to, to be there for them. But the other conflict is that like, for example, Travis Scott said, I'll give everybody their money back that came to the concert. But then if you accept that money, then you also can't file, file a lawsuit, right? And so he's trying to do things to try to repair, but even if you want to be able to like repair or, or mend or whatever that is, there's law all up in it. So like, it's it's complicated, it's complicated. So. Yeah, one of the main ways Travis Scott was trying to repair things was yes, give the money back, but he was also trying to pay for like funeral costs and things like that for the families who were victims. Um, and um, the story that we were really covering was the fact that these families rejected his money. They didn't want it. Um, they just chose not to move forward with that. And I think like a point that you made earlier, Anthony J, is that like, if they accept his money, then how can they find him at fault in litigation later on, you know? So I think that's, I think that's really interesting um, that, that's what was offered it's a whole lot of PR surrounding it and Travis Scott Travis Scott has already lost money like he's lost endorsements people are not supporting him and backing him you know I don't know what will come of this but I just hope that there is more you know more like litigation not litigation but like more legislation surrounding um like things that happen at these concerts like more responsibility like there needs to be there also needs to be more transparency like we as consumers of media some of us don't know who to blame exactly so a lot of people are blaming Travis Scott or a lot of people are, like they're not even talking about Drake they're talking about Travis because his name is through Astroworld you know 
And when it comes to like security, the fire marshals, the police department, things like that, like they all have different reports and different stories of what, what happened. But it was a lot of like heat exhaustion, like people passing out. And then just those rumors about drug use and things like that alone is like really weird. So there needs to be a lot more information to go on into this investigation. Um, I, I predict that this will continue for at least another year 2022 I said at least like it might continue for more time because I feel like there's there are just so many moving parts to it like when you even spoke about the you know people putting blame on Live Nation like I wonder what responsibility they can give to Live Nation because who is responsible for security who is responsible for like securing these different things and you know the amount of people and reaching max capacity at these festivals and things like that so um I'm just I feel horrible that this even happened at a concert like I've been to festivals where people have pushed but it's only been in like certain roles where we could kind of get it to stop but it's truly scary. It's really, really scary to even think about that. Like, I don't even go to certain, I don't even go to festivals anymore. Number one is because we're still in the pandemic, but number two, like, like I first stopped wanting to go because it was just too many people. And it just seemed like it was too less of control that I could have about, you know, my body and my agency, like people pushing me and things like that. Like I, I even, you know, had to like confront like me and a, me and my homegirls had to confront somebody one time, be over it. And, you know, it just felt really weird after that. I was just like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. It just gets a little crazy. So, um, it I is just, kind of, yeah, it, sorry, go ahead. Um, it is in the past, I don't know, like five or six years that it has changed. And it's like the new trend now is to have festivals. So everybody and their mama's doing a festival, aka Jaru. <laughs> um, but like everybody's <laughs> doing it now and it doesn't necessarily... I remember before when people were doing festivals, they happen kind of so rarely and you always knew that they were going to be done in a certain way. But now that everybody is trying to do their own festival, I think also the safety, the value of it, the quality, all of that it starts to get watered down when people are just trying to throw something together. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing that's different that makes me want to look at them. Like, what's the reputation of this festival? How long has it been going on? Are things going to be safe? Or is this just going to be people trying to like throw some ish together? Right. And a headliner that they're trying to hide behind. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up um, in you talking is probably the only funny point out of all this is that um, Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, former Baltimore mayor, <laughs> was like, I'm representing Travis Scott. And everybody was like, where the hell you been at? What? So she's like, I'm Olivia Pope now. And so one of the things that she named was, you know, the way that it's, whoever is responsible is not my client, Travis Scott. Mm. Um, and she had named it as this person or is this this institution that you look at her organization. Mm -hmm. But the Part is the catch is that he actually stopped the concert at a certain point when he realized that somebody was injured or had be, been trampled over. And I think that's the complicated piece of this. How much did he know? How much did he see? What power did he have right. to stop? He was literally on stage. And I think that's what makes this all so muddled and so complicated. Um, mm -hmm. So... But yeah, if y'all want to forward y'all questions, y'all talk to Stephanie. That's what I said. Okay. After she didn't... Never mind. Y'all know the story. If y'all don't know, then y'all will very soon when y'all start researching her a little bit more. Um, but I wanted to give it a grade just so we can move forward. Um, but first I want to say, right, you know, we send our love, we send our condolences, as we send good energy to the people who experienced um, this tragedy at Astroworld in Houston, Texas in Houston, Texas, um, we just wanted to share our love and condolences to the families who um, had mem members of their family pass away and, you know, you not be able to see them because of this tragedy. It's just really, really awful. Um, I want to give this the grade of a D. I just feel like there's so much more that we need to know and understand. Um, as a consumer of music and as a concert goer, like, I don't know the ins and outs of what happens at these concerts but 
I just feel like when I'm paying my money and I put my money on a ticket, like, especially for a festival, festival tickets are always over a hundred dollars. Like they, like, it's rare that they're under a hundred for even, unless it's like for one day or something like that, but you just get so much with these quote unquote festivals. So you pay more money for those things. Like I didn't, you know, I wouldn't expect to pay two, $200 or $300 for a ticket to a place where I know I'm not going to make it out alive. It's just really tragic. Um, but I, I wish that more people from Travis Scott's team would speak up and say what, like who should be at fault if it isn't him. Because a lot of this is leaning on his shoulders, not even Drake. Like Drake was just like a feature, basically. That's what we're getting. But Champagne Poppy definitely went to the strip club that night, you know? So it's like, who are we, like, you're, if you're going to put the blame on somebody, like put the blame on everybody who needs to be blamed, you know? So I just want to give it a D because I need more information um, to really understand, like, who should we really be mad about? Like who who should we be mad at? Yeah, like you could be mad at whoever you want, but I'm still I still can't quite choose Travis Scott to be mad at right now because I need more information. And that's just me. That's just my opinion. Like say what you will about what, what's going on with your thoughts. But I think he is if he's responsible, he's not the only person responsible. So I need to to be mad at a collective instead of just at one individual because he has people backing him and put put putting this stuff on like he has people who are planning these things for him, like event planners and stuff like that. Like Travis Scott is not an event planner, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. my grade. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about a story that I don't think we talked on, about on No Class. I think it was when we do our episodes, we're like, hey, there are 10 stories. Which four do we want to talk about? And I think it's one that got clipped earlier this year or last year. And that is about um, Tyra Banks and America's Next Top Model coming back into the um, mostly Twitter world. And so um, some months ago, or maybe even a year ago, people were looking back at Tyra Banks clips from America's Next Top Models and being like, this was problematic. And that's clips of like the famous one of Tyra telling, I think it was Danielle that was a contestant, that she was not going to be marketable with a gap in her teeth. And she was trying to stand her ground and say, I'll get it closer, but I don't want to get it closed. And the judges were kind of like, kind of making fun of her. Um, there's like the part where Tyra Banks had her contestants um, model as a different race. So there's like all of these different things in America's Next Top Model that Tyra has talked about and was like, they're just wrong. Because um, I think it was Tamara, I think it's the Tamara show where they had asked about it. And she was like, what are things that she would do better? She was like, some things were just wrong. Like, I I just wouldn't do those. And she has fessed up to that. But the newest thing that has come up is um, one of the former contestants. um, Her name is Heather. Shoot, where did it go? Her, because I don't even actually recognize her because I didn't watch that season. Um, Sorry, where did it just, oh, Sarah heart torn um she was a contestant in cycle number nine and um they had asked her well she had said that they got forty dollars a day when they were contestants on america's next top model and they had to pay for their own food and that they did not do not get residuals for which is when the episodes re-air or on a streaming platform like if you're on a sitcom or you're an actor you would get residuals and get paid for that that contestants do not and so um, there is trending saying that that's kind of, somebody has said that that was sickening, that Tyra Banks and producers and judges are making money and making bank off of the this. And these contestants are not getting any money off of it. And because America's Next Top Model has a reputation of having so many models that have come through the show and very few that we actually still see today, very few that we saw that actually had a career. Um, other part of this story is I, I know one of the models that spoke up was Takara, who was on, I think, cycle two or cycle three, the Black woman is a plus size model, one of my favorites on the show. Um, and she pushed back and was like, that's the way a reality show is. You're a contestant on the show. Contestants usually don't get paid. 
Um, that's the thing that most people have been talking about is, you know, you knew what you were getting into. But what I wanted to lift in the conversation is this, um, is there going to be a change of the times, right? And so, like I said, when you have sitcoms and you have movies and things, and you have actors, you it's very common to get residual pay when there are repeats and re-airs of your performance from, from a movie or something. Is that, or should that be happening for reality TV now, right? Because reality TV is new-ish. Oh, I wouldn't say, I guess not new anymore, but it's, it's new that it's starting to age now, right? And so should that be given to, to folks on reality TV? And I'm saying that also because their likeness is used, right? And so when they're like, hey, we're gonna show repeats of whatever this reality show is, and I even think about we're not we're talking about America's Next Top Model, but I'm thinking about like a, I love New York and like all those kind of things. When we have our famous lines and famous clips from these videos that we are rewatching re and people are profiting from, but reality show contestants don't get anything from it. Um, and so I'm wondering and and wonder about your thoughts, Chantel. Do you think that this is going to be something that is going to move over time? That and I think part of the conversation is people are like, they're reality stars versus actors. <laughs> um, and actors definitely get a different respect from people that are reality stars. Do you think there's going to be a shift there? I think if there is a shift, it's not going to be within the next 10 years, to be honest with you. Um, to be a contestant on a reality show, now I ain't never been no contestant on a reality show, but I can see by the numbers that like, these executive producers and these creators of these shows ain't splitting the pie between 20 people that they have trying out for a show, period. Like, they're not going to do that. Um, to get residual income from a show that is syndicated like that, like, I feel like there's a lot more to it than we understand, um, especially because some of these contestants are only on for a certain period of time, like one cycle, this, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and it's interesting, like, that these stories are coming out because of like top model but you ain't asking that about survivor you ain't asking that about like shows like project runway you know like top chef or you know like top chef junior kids shows like you, you know it's only certain shows that you're asking it about and especially because um tyra banks has been in the media as like negatively for like the last couple years regarding that show and her talk show, like, I think that's why we're giving extra attention to it. Um, I would love to hear more opinions from people who are reality show contestants or, or like who have received fame from that. Um, especially because when you win those shows, like when you win the contest of those shows, like you get a certain prize and things like that, like Takara, um, like she was not a winner of her year, but she's like, because they used her likeness and things like that. And because they saw her progression through the America, her like cycle of America's next top model. Like she is a world, like a renowned plus size black model, you know, and that the same, like Eva, of course, was one of the winners, but she's moved on into acting and, you know, different reality reality tv show in another version like we have people who continue to move move on and make money from these shows so it's like the conversation regarding residuals i don't know maybe that's something that is more more of a conversation to be had when it comes to people being represented by agents um like who may have a sag after card or something like that like i, I think that if you take it if you take it a step further and want to pursue a career in show business and you know then that's a different story when it comes to residual income but just being a contestant on a game show I don't I don't necessarily agree with that to be honest with you and I mean my feelings might change but like in the future if I learn more about what happens behind that but um I think there's a certain thing that you sign up for when you become a contestant on the show versus going through the process of becoming a quote-unquote reality tv star it's those are two different things right now reality tv has been around for almost 20 years like yeah it's it's the baby of tv 
it's the baby of TV like genre, but it ain't it's it's like a you know it's almost 21 you know what i'm saying like it's it's almost a a legally drinking person basically like you know there there have been a lot of progressions throughout reality tv and especially because we have shows where former contestants on re- or like former like people on reality tv shows like tammy roman have been on other reality tv shows and have you know decided to become actors or like get into other parts of showbiz like hip-hop and stuff like that like you know the the ability like tv don't make you that much money y'all I just want y'all to understand it just really don't like it looks cute because of the glitz and glamour and like the people who are behind you but like most of your favorite stars most of your favorites like they ain't making real money all the time like they just look like it because they get free stuff because their likeness and their image is used or you know like they everybody ain't living as wealthy as they seem people rent cars people rent jewelry we, we see the bow wow challenge now that was a challenge we should have talked about <laughs> but i'm just saying like your like reality tv and like the stardom that you see like that's just not always the truth like yeah it looks a certain way because we got to show this stuff on tv but look at all your favorite like housewife stars and stuff like that like on their first seasons and stuff when they learning how to like put it together and dress and like wear their makeup a certain way to be seen on tv versus them moving forward in different seasons and like getting work done or like having a person who does their makeup and their wigs and stuff like that to look like something on tv like everybody ain't out here balling just because they they want you to see that on your your tv screen you know and maybe that could be a reason that um, residual income might be better. But when I see a contestant on a reality TV show, I'm just thinking you trying this thing out. So you, you know, it's clearly a platform for you to move forward if you want to continue in acting and like entertainment in Hollywood. But I just don't think that you as a contestant de- may deserve a piece of that pie the way that you think you do or like some people might think about it so um i'm interested to hear what your grade is going to be uh, yeah and it's interesting maybe we should do an episode i don't know who we will find uh we should think about a couple of reality stars that may want to talk about it because um i mean there's the part where at first i was just like a hard no like no and then recently when i was thinking about how you do a reality show and, and I think it's different for contestants versus a reality show that is like a, a reality show drama or soap opera, what I call them, like um, love and hip hop or something like that versus a competition. Like, I think those are different. But um, when I was rethinking about like after you do a reality show and you are quote unquote famous, but you also don't have the resources of being famous and you can't just up and get a job like you, you know, could have before what your life was before then it's kind of like this, there's also this kind of stuck part that I now feel bad for, for reality stars sometimes where it's like, you either ride the train that she was on for the show that she was on and find your next show and your next hustle. And then if you don't and you fumble the bag, then like you might just like really be stuck. And so I think the part of my conversation that I want to explore and maybe in a future episode is like what happens with those people and what then you have a whole different set of problems. You know what I mean? And then what type of support are they getting for those new set of problems that they and probably in no way could have foreseen all of those. But for now, I'll give it the grade of, um, I'm giving it the grade of a, a C as being average. I'm really, these are the behind the scenes, the things that we've always wondered and been curious about. And um, I'd like to know more about. So I'm I'm happy that this thread happened. I will say what I'm not happy about is that it keep like you said, it keeps going to Tyra. And I get it that Tyra is a producer and kind of like creator of the show and we know her. So it's easy to like say and look at her. But there are so many other shows that we can use as an example and so many other people that we can call out for it. Um so and not to dismiss that like Tyra has said and done some problematic things, but there's enough problematic things that have been said by a lot of people to sh- share the wealth and and share the um, uh, Twitter trends with. So 
I'd say give Tyra some breathing room, get off of her neck, and then let's continue to have this conversation and look at this more deeply. So it's a C for me. Yeah, the conversation is absolutely important. But um, yeah, Tyra, girl, just sit down for like five seconds too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So oh. if you want, I can go and do my next and my last story. If that's, that's okay. Okay. So I'm very happy and proud to hear this news. And um, this was news to me upon like getting into like the planning of this report card episode. Um, But Minnesota is going on record as the first state to create and utilize a task force on missing and murdered African-American women. Um, I'm very proud to hear this news. It is the first of its kind in the United States of America. Um, I'm, it's really shocking that it would be Minnesota, but um, I'm just happy to hear that it's something that will be um, creating, like give, giving a, a good look into these cases of missing and murdered African-American women. Um, I think that... Um, well, actually, wait, let me let me give a little bit of the details. So um, the Minnesota legislature, oh, I said Minnesota like a Minnesotan. The Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> the Minnesota legislature, the legislators, um, they voted earlier this year to create a group with the goal of erasing disparities in how cases have been handled um, by law enforcement and news media surrounding African-American women. Um mm-hmm. And this is like kind of a story coming out of Minneapolis. I can't remember the exact like district that like from like the legislators that helped to like create this task force. But, oh, actually I see it now. It says Mendota, Mendota Heights. I probably said it wrong. Mendota Heights, Mendota Heights. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's been reported that this task force, this task force has been created. So basically what, this task force will be doing is they have 12 people um from 12 people from law enforcement like well it's a mix of like when you create those text task forces like people who are in law enforcement um people who are in like legislation and government and then people who are like common citizens of the neighborhoods and communities that those task force are serving um so one of the representatives, which is Ruth Richardson, which is a Democratic representative from Mandata Heights, stated that we need to talk about the media. We need to talk about law enforcement. We need to talk about human trafficking, sexual exploitation, economic exploitation. And I think it's really important that now this is a case regarding Black women in particular, because Black women have been the victims of excruciating crimes regarding um, exploitation, around sex, um, around finances, um, just emotional exploitation. But Black women, myself, we are constantly not being talked about and discussed when it comes to news media and um, these cold cases being solved and things like that. Like our cases run dry more often than, you know, our white counterparts. And so um, I I think it's extremely important to not only make a task force for African-American women, but just for African-American people in general. Like there's so much data that is lost because there's no research being done when it comes to um, black women being criminalized in the American um, criminal justice system and just being victims of crime, period. So, I'm really happy to hear that Minnesota is the first state to create, Minnesota is the first state to have their, one of their communities create a task force for this. But I hope to see that this is something that continues across the board. And actually like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, I would, you know what, I'm thinking like, this is something that I kind of want to write my representatives about because I've been thinking a lot about one of my my mother's friends who was a victim of domestic 
violence. Actually, one of her neighbors murdered her um, like two years ago, right around the time the pandemic first started. And it's cool and it's cute to honor her legacy and to talk about her um, being kind and, you know, things like that. But there's just so many issues regarding the protection of Black women. Like there's been a whole campaign, protect, protect Black women, but um, it's for a reason. Like wet Black women are just not protected. And her neighbor was, he had been harassing her and threatening her and her, and her family for years. And she's gotten like police reports and it's hard to follow a restraining order against somebody who is literally your neighbor. But um, there are so many black African-American women who are victims this way. And um, I think creating this task force should be something that is implemented throughout the entire nation because we, we or even the world, like honestly, but there's only so much that can be done within a democratic system. So um, let me just get your thoughts on this, Anthony J. How do you feel about this task force? Um, this article says that the FBI's National Crime Information Center's most recent data states over 900,000 Black girls and women went missing in 2020 alone. And, and that says it all for me. That's I could have never guessed that the number was that high. Um, that's frightening, that's terrifying, that's disgusting to me. Um, and so I am glad that Minnesota is doing this. Um, like you said, I hope the other states do. Um, and as excited as I am that they're doing it and you know, I don't know when this starts, if it's, yeah, um, 2022 is when it starts. It's also like, Damn, where where's this been at? But I'm glad that it's finally happening in Minnesota. Hope it catches on to other places. And um, I, I just want to say again that this, to me, also feeds into the um, to the why we do this podcast and having the conversations um, that in, in unsafe places because I think that's part of the the silence around this, right? The black women are missing because of violence that we don't talk about enough. Black women are missing because of um, sexual assault. That's why we try to talk and normalize talking about sex on the show. So there's, um, I'm just trying to weave in also the other work that makes and, and invisibilizes this black woman, these black women and trying to raise that like we all have, we don't have to be on this task force to um, help to raise the awareness and um, not make there be so much silence um, because what my belief is, again, is that like when we're not talking about some of this and we're not talking about assault at all, we're not talking about violence at all, we're not talking about sex, then it's easy to, to silence and invisibilize these women that have been missing or these women that have been murdered without um, there being the resources and the, the, the work to figure out what happened. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's super heavy to talk about but I always think of myself, especially being a Black woman, being a woman who is, you know, quote unquote, African-American, like, I just, I think about my protection all the time, way more so, like, if I had to, if I had to sit there and probably compare it to one of my, um, like, Black male counterparts, like, I, I don't know what the, comp like, how the competition would, would range, because, you know, like, we we all feel unprotected by um, media, by um, the police, by authorities. But when it comes to Black women, like I still have to feel I I'm I'm made to feel unprotected by Black women, Black men sometimes, white men a lot of times, white women especially when they're crying a lot of times. Like you know, so it's. You know, I don't know who to cry to in those moments, except to other Black women, you know? And so I really, really do appreciate that this is something that is being recognized in Minnesota. I know um, their representative, she probably Black. That's why she know, okay? Because seriously, like, when it comes to Black women, we, su we support each other the best really we do you know and as a as a collective like I do wish that 
we speak out more in terms of that because opening the doors to have a task force, like just imagine um, living in Baltimore City, a, a city that is majority black. Um, we have black legislators. Um, just think about if we even had a task force committed to African-American or black women, and we had a task committed to our black youth, we had a task force committed to our black men, like, or, and then we had a task force committed to like our Latinx folks, like our, our Latina women, our Latino men, like, you know, the people who are really populating this city, if we had a task force committed to that, instead of like the gun trace task force or like the drug enforcement task force, you know, things like that. Like if you literally had a task force committed to that, you would find your way around the drugs, the abuse, the violence, the guns, like things like that, because how quickly would these things be solved? You know, um, mm. they, I just feel like the root of the issues is just misplaced to me. And so um, I'm really thinking like, I want to draft a letter to my local representative and, and see if this is something that we can get done. Like I, I'm gonna send that letter out because I really think it's important. And I, you know, I'm learning how to exercise my voice as a, um, as a citizen of my community too. So I really think that that's extremely important for us to have. And I wanna give this story the grade of an A plus. Um, thank you so much, Minnesota for setting the bar extremely and it shouldn't even, like, the bar not even fucking high. Like, it's just a thing, you know? It's just, like, a thing that can just be done. You could easily create this task force instead of creating, like, task Another force. Another prison. Yeah, exactly. Task force that expand upon, like, the prison industrial complex. Like, things that do not rehabilitate the people who are really, like, struggling and, like, you know? So, um, A plus for me. That's a great story. It's a great story. Shout out to you, um, Representative Rich Ruth Richardson, too, who, yeah, is a Black woman, as you had said. Um, and so we have our her last story for the episode. Um, I had not seen this one, which is exciting. A $38 million um, center for Black, $38 million center for Black excellence and culture is set to open in 2023 in Madison, Wisconsin. I just want to say, <laughs> you got Madison, you got, I'm in mean, Wisconsin, you got Minnesota, like. <laughs> it's a Midwest swing, like, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to y'all, because sometimes we forget that. <laughs> we be forgetting <laughs> about y'all, like, for real. Because if y'all not on the East Coast perimeter, or like, well, is it perimeter? I don't know the exact word. I just learned how to use that as a console. Please excuse my vocabulary. Okay, thank you. Um, but if you're not on the East Coast or West Coast, sometimes it just is, or like, even like, centered around Chicago. Like, we be forgetting, you know? So shout out to y'all. Thanks for saying the article by The Root says um, everything about this 65,000 square foot three level building is going to be Black. It's Black inspired, Black design, and Black led. It will be a chance for the Black community in Madison to honor, observe, and learn about the community and socialize according to the Wisconsin State Journal. Um, the space is also going to be used for weddings, performances, conferences, parties, and other gather gatherings. Um, and I thought something that was also very interesting about this is that the center is going to be designed by Black architects, artists, business leaders, and experts. And so it's also giving um, job and giving work to these Black experts in building, um, building this place. It's not some type of white, well-known, fancy firm or, or, or whatever. So it, it's good that it is, like I said, it's going to be all Black. Um, this is phenomenal. This is very exciting. And... Um, uh, yeah, what do you think about it, Chantel? What I think about is, is hashtag Black Millionaire, hashtag Melanin Poppin, hashtag Black Excellence. What I think about it is hashtag Champagne Toast, okay? Like, I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm just thinking about all the, like, parties that could happen there, especially, like, if you do, if you go to, like, an African wedding or something like that, like, okay. Um, okay, but all jokes aside, like, I think this is extremely, like, important to have in our communities. Um, there's so much 
especially in, in Wisconsin, like um, it was Madison. Was it Madison in particular? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Madison. Madison is um, a city that's also known for a lot of like um, violence and and especially amongst black people, gangs and things like that. So um, I think that any opportunity to create a space that is welcoming and warm and, you know, super black is great to honor our people. Um, I w- I hope, I wonder if it's going to look like Tyler Perry Studios where they got like dedicated rooms to like Oprah and shit, you know, but, <laughs> but I think it's so cool that that is something that they're opening and, you know, just the title alone to say black excellence is like so dope to me. Um, I know we have a lot of talk when it comes to black excellence and like honoring black excellence and like being able to, you know, experience luxury and just you know the things that we honor in in our blackness so mm-hmm. having a whole space dedicated to that like I could just imagine um the community building that happens there like I'm just I'm thinking about a sip and paint or something you know I don't know it might it might be small time for me but even just like a resource center dedicated to education and learning and things like that too like there's so much that can happen in a black black excellence center and space and um I'm excited to if if I follow up on it I want to see what that you know what is going to be involved in that like moving forward like if they're going to move forward and like build other spaces like that like how much that's going to build community um so it's exciting to hear about it is it really is Y'all gonna have some fun weddings and parties in there. <laughs> so I want to give it a an A plus as well. Um, good job, dope work, and especially again, I don't know much about Madison, Wisconsin, but I know what it's like to be in a city or a space where there's very few places that feel safe um, for Black people to do to to socialize and have community. And I know that has to feel very good for um residents there to be like oh we have this space now that 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 is ours so congratulations to that so some good really really good news really really good news so we have a couple like average mediocre grades and then we have two a pluses so what would you want to give what story would you want to give the gold star to um i want to give the gold star to the task force um yeah i think that is phenomenal hard long work but very much needed work um and i think that it it has the potential of having some very good ripple effects for the rest of the country um so that's my a plus if they do it right i think if they do it right you know we've had we've seen task force be um task task forces be formed around baltimore city and i know you're new to Atlanta I don't know what kind of task forces they have there but um you know there's been some controversy surrounding them and I just don't think that they had the right people involved and I feel like you know I'm super encouraged by the task force that they are wanting to or that they're implementing in Minnesota so I agree I definitely think that that story deserves a gold star um shout out to the legislators who who ushered that in and who backed it um and shout out to the communities in minnesota that will be contributing to educating and researching and analyzing what goes on with um black women being murdered being exploited and being victimized and criminalized um so yeah um what about the detention how do you feel who who gets that detention who goes into detention um yeah I don't think there was anybody that I was just strongly like this is the person huh that's this rarely happens um but this is definitely who goes into the detention um I'm gonna give detention I I want to I want to throw something out there I want to give detention to news media outlets like you know given the the popularity of Travis Scott like they brought a lot of attention to what happened at Astroworld you know he's lost his endorsements and things like that but when you see when we're reporting on stories like um a black excellence center or like 
a task force to talk about black women you know who are victims of crime like where's the where's the coverage for that like this this is stuff that should be making national media attention you know like it's not something that we just got to go seek and find but you hear about travis scott and you like this is the stuff that makes dollars so i get it the business aspect of it but it it further promotes the trash that we see like y'all keep seeing kardashian jenna name everywhere you go because of stuff like this you know so i want to give it to media like i really want them to take like media outlets to take responsibility to, for the for promoting the trash and like trying to make money off of the bullshit that we see because that is the thing that further like deteriorates the thread of america to me mm-hmm. um you know and especially when it comes to social justice and things like that like they some of these media outlets are super quick to report on things and that's how we have like bloggers and things like that who are like doing gossip and stuff like that like they're super quick to have the story be told first because they want they want clicks and views and things like that to make money off of you know the stories and things like that but when it comes to like we don't let we don't give them as a society any responsibility to correct to report correctly or to report things that are just not further like setting us back when we're trying to find happiness things like that so I do I want to give it to the news media like y'all are like y'all never not gonna go in detention when it comes to this like even reporting on the Omar Omarion variant stuff like that like you know it we have seen less and less coverage of COVID-19 but we are actively in a pandemic okay like that shit ain't change you keep reporting on these different variants and things like that. But like when it came to reporting on getting these COVID vaccines, like they were all for it. But y'all, like y'all stop telling people to still be hygienically sound, you know, like to make sure that they're sanitizing with, you know, the right amount, the right percentage of alcohol and make sure they're washing their hands and things like that. Like that's some stuff that we still need to keep because in, in wearing masks, like, those are the the major things that are super simple that are protecting us, you know, but y'all really wanted to like move forward. And I'm not saying like I've, I've received my vaccine. I'm definitely not against receiving a vaccine or anything, but I'm just saying that that was the thing that y'all were majorly promoting, but y'all stopped promoting. Like people went back to being garbage with their hygiene though, you know? So especially, and it's because they were like, I got the vaccine. I can do that. So, I'm cool with media being in detention. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. 2021, it's the end. But like, do better. Like, for real, do better. It's just, it's time. Like, we do, I've seen, and it's crazy because when I do watch news, I really don't watch it often, but I do see some of these news anchors, especially the Black ones in Baltimore, like, they'll kind of like give their own little opinion and do a little side eye. And I know that's not supposed to happen, but like, I, I just want to make sure that these news anchors, like these people are the faces. It's like, you know, y'all are the faces of y'all, this company. So we got to hold y'all accountable somehow too. Like if some, if it, there were to be a story that came out negatively about one of these news anchors, we would be blaming them and not the, not the outlet, mm-hmm. you know? So we, I just feel like we all need to take responsibility. Well, yeah, not just for what, um is being produced in the media but what we are consuming in the media too um don't click on stuff that you are like i'm over this shit or you know that you don't want to continue seeing in the media because that that they're not going to get money from that so um yeah that's that's my my two cents well um we want to say thank you all classmates for tuning into episodes through 2021 um, for all of the super high and, and great stories in our report cards to the little ones and throwing lots of people in detention um, and even expelling and suspending some people this year. We appreciate you being on that journey. And of course, um, 2022, we are going to give more report card episodes. There's more main topics and excited to announce that we're going to do um, like a series that's called Career Day, where we're going to be interviewing more people 
talking about what they do for a living. And so we got a snippet of that. Well, we got an example of that with the Britney episode. Um, if you have not listened to I Need a New Job episode, um, she talked about resume writing, cover letter writing, salary negotiations. So we're going to do more conversations with folks um, about what they do and then why it's important for us to know uh, about the service that they're offering or, or the skill that they have and how that's important to us. So we're excited with more topics, more content for 2022, um, and going to encourage you to like, follow us on all the handles that I'm about to give right now. Anything that you want to say as like our last thing before we're done in 2021, Chantel? Yes, I just want to encourage our classmates and um, everybody that, well, to, um, I wish that you are healthy, um, as healthy as you can be. I know there are some people who are not at the optimal health that they want to be, but as healthy as you can be mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Um, I know it's just been another tough year for us collectively, but I wish moving forward that you are ending 2021 on a better note than you started it and that, um, you will see much success and love and light in 2022. That's it. That's beautiful. I love it. Um, and so to keep following us in 2022, um, you will need our SoundCloud, our Apple, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and or IG at No Class Podcast. That's where it can be found on all of those handles. On Twitter, it's no underscore class podcast. Tumblr, it is no dash class podcast. And then you can email us at um, on our Gmail at no.classpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we also ask you to rate us on iTunes. And we are accepting donations as part of your New Year's resolution is to give back. Hey, here we are. <laughs> uh, so we're accepting donations uh, to build no class. And if you'd like to donate, you can visit our donate page on our anchor um, link in bio. So Y'all stay hydrated, melanated, and glowed up. And we will see you all in the new year, whatever you do out in these streets. Um, be safe bringing in the new year. Make sure you have a designated driver, all those kind of things, you know. So, see y'all.